This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Happy Sunday, and thank you for joining me for the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta from Single in the City. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Wedding season is here, and we have marriage on the brain. But how do you know if you're ready for this kind of commitment? This week, I'm joined once again by Dr. Nancy Lee to chat all things marriage and commitment. Dr. Nancy is a clinical psychologist based out of Beverly Hills, a leading practitioner of cognitive behavioral therapy, and the author of Don't Sleep With Him Yet, a badass guide to dating in 10 empowering steps. Tonight, we'll be discussing how you can tell if you're ready, what you should do if your partner isn't, and how to set yourself up for a successful marriage. Well, thank you for joining us once again, Dr. Nancy Lee. How are you? <laughs> hey, I'm great, Laura. Um, wonderful to be here as always, and I'm excited for our discussion. Yeah, so let's start off by chatting about commitment. How can you tell if you're even ready to take this, this big step? Big question and big step. First of all, knowing that you want it. Okay. So again, depending on how there's so many factors involved, but depending on how much life experience you've, you are, how old you are, are you the one that really wants to be married or are you getting pressure from your family? Why do you want to be married? Is it because you really are ready to take that step, take the plunge? Or is it because, quote unquote, all your friends are getting married and you just think it's like the right thing to do? So it's really looking within yourself and knowing I am so ready or I think I'm ready, but I'm not sure. Or like at the other end of the spectrum, I am not like, well, this would be, I am so not ready and I know I'm not, but it's really that gray area where I think I want this. I'm not sure. It seems like I should want this. And remember, I'm talking to men and women, uh, but of course, men and women both have their own unique, you know, feelings and thoughts when it comes to marriage as well. Mm-hmm. Also, there has to be a lot of trust there too, right? With your partner, because I, I, I feel like the ability to trust one another is the foundation of any successful relationship. Wouldn't you agree uh, with that, Dr. Nancy? A hundred percent. I agree yeah. actually 200%. How trustworthy somebody is can actually make or break a relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship or think about it, even a friendship, even a family bond, a work relationship. If you can't trust somebody that you're interacting with, and especially you're interacting with romantically, intimately, then then what kind of foundation is there? It just it's mm-hmm. it's like a house of cards. It's going to fall apart. Yeah, and also the you you need to feel safe with this person, and you you have to have seen some hard times, I believe, and 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 also I think it's important too, like. Do you want a marriage or do you just want the wedding? There are so many women, right? They dream about their wedding day. And I feel like they may rush that because they want that big wedding. Have you seen that a lot? It's it's called like, yes, like the, I call it the, the Disney syndrome. Yeah, like how many little girls, I think it's changing a lot, uh, gratefully, because a lot of the Disney princesses are now badass, 
versus like being kissed, just, you know, magically kissed by the prince. But yeah, you have little girls acculturated from like three years old, like, oh, I wonder who you're going to marry and dreaming of like the, you know, being a bride. And it's so much really marriage is, is work. It's, it's, it's a lot more than that. So Laura, that's actually a really good question. And also another important point that just came to my mind is you really like who you are around them you know, that you can, you can be yourself. There's nothing worse than having to pretend to be somebody else, right? And also like, are you both putting in the same amount of effort into that relationship? Okay, so again, really important issues. So being not only the ability to be yourself, but in, a, in the best of relationships, a partner also brings out our best. Um, I talk to women also at the, you know, at the other end of things where they're considering a divorce or they're considering leaving their partner and are really conflicted, you know, and one of the things we talk about is this relationship lifting you up or at the other ext extreme bringing you down. So uh, not only being able to be with yourself and, ex and, and, and accepted flaws, blemishes and all, but feeling like the relationship makes you a quote, a, a quote unquote, better person in some ways. The second part of what you said, can you just repeat that for a moment? Oh, I said uh, that you are both putting in just as much effort. I, I, and I wish that happened more often. Um, how often, Laura, you can, you can possibly relate to this. I, I, <laughs> I, I know that yeah, you can. But, I, we spoke about this before. <laughs> right. But but how often are is the effort imbalanced? Um, and look, that doesn't mean that it's going to be equal at all times, right? As we mm -hmm. go down the path of life, things things throw up stuff. Like maybe one person is devoting more time to their work at the moment, but that changes. But we're talking about consistently when one person is doing all the heavy lifting so to speak, it, it, it really gets out of whack. Um, that also makes me think of, there's another really issue, uh, important issue related to that, that I talk about, um, I, I discuss in my book, and it also leads to like, who is going to commit and who won't. But dedication is a very important principle in psychology. So when it comes to a romantic relationship, dedication means how, much does somebody desire, how strong is their desire to continue that relationship into the future? So think about it. If one partner is very, even in a committed relationship, right? But mm -hmm. one partner is extremely invested into continuing that. And the other person is kind of like going along for the ride, maybe not sure. It feels quote unquote convenient, but they're not as dedicated, right? They don't care as much. They don't have that strong desire to really continue that relationship on into the future. Then that could be reflected in the effort they put in as well. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. Now, a lot of women start to think about marriage and children as they go through their 20s and 30s. And some think about it in their teens and younger. <laughs> I had a girlfriend who wanted to be married when she was 17. It was crazy. I was like thinking I'm like boy crazy and she's wanting to settle down. 
<laughs> I was like, I couldn't, I didn't get it. Um, so if this is something that you have planned for your life, how can you tell if someone is marriage minded and not just wasting your time? Like when, you know, when should we have that conversation? Do you oh, like the first date? No, just kidding. Um, you know, it, it's, <laughs> you want to get married? <laughs> no, but it, it's it's actually interesting mm-hmm. because there are men that know what to. I, I'm answering your question in a circuitous route. Okay, there really are guys out there. Another topic I get into in my book. They're called soft boys. That no, they're not players. By the way. So it's not about just having sex with women, but there are men, often they're millennials, younger, younger, younger side of the millennials. They think they're ready for a relationship. They know all the right things to say and to do. They talk about family and kids. And yeah, I want this. I want 2.5 kids. I'm being facetious, but that that's the average for get for number of children in California. Go figure. I don't know where the 0.5 comes from, but okay. So they know like all the right things to say and do. And they do start a relationship and, and it can continue for weeks or months sometimes even more than a few years, but inevitably they will be, oops, I'm really not ready. Um, I, I actually, I'm not ready for a relationship, but unfortunately their partners tend to get blindsided. So you're going along, say you're dating one of these men, you're going along, it's going really well. You've told all your girlfriends, I've met the one, you're super excited. And then three months later, you land in the therapist's office because this guy starts to drift away and withdraw. So how can you tell a guy like that apart from somebody who is absolutely really committed? A couple ways. Um, If you are waiting to sleep with a guy, the guy who is really not committed for the long haul is, is, is often going to bail. They're not going to wait around. They're going to pressure you, um, even if you say you're not ready or you have, you know, just just what for whatever. Hello, we're the gatekeepers, right? Um, I, I hope I can say this on the air, but we've got the vaginas. We're the we're the gatekeepers. But if if a guy you're dating is like you're not ready for that step, and he's pressuring you, he is probably not going to commit in the way you want him to commit in a long term relationship. That's one way. Um, another way is that a guy who's absolutely into you, who is in it for the long haul, is going to want to take you around and enmesh you in his family, in his friends. If he is not doing that, if he's making excuses, if you're not meeting his friend group, if he's not taking you to, fa- to family functions, that is not the sign of a guy who is ready to commit? Mm-hmm. Laura, do these mm-hmm. things make sense? They make a lot of sense. And I, you know, obviously you don't want to have the conversation on a first date, but you can definitely have those conversations early on. I think that they are important so that you don't waste time. And like, if you guys are aligning and, and you seem to be meshing well, have the conversation, not necessarily with like, are you, do you want to get married to me one day, but do you plan on getting married one day? Like is marriage in your future? Is that something that you can see yourself doing? Having that conversation. We need to take a break though. When we come back, we're going to talk about the things that, you know, people should be discussing before they get married. Stay with us. 
You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News. Today's Talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. It's Sunday night. You're listening to AM640 with me, Laura B. <laughs> Laura Bellata, that is. Joined by my guest, Dr. Nancy Lee. We're getting back to our, our chat on all things marriage and commitment. All right. Marriage, Dr. Nancy, is obviously a big step and not everybody's ready for it. So what are some of the things that people should be discussing before they even get married? I have, I have a um, friends that got married and, you know, they went into the marriage, they got engaged quickly, they got married within a year, and they didn't have all the proper discussions prior to getting married. And now they're heading for divorce. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you could have saved yourselves from that with just a little bit more communication. So what are some of the things that people should be discussing before they get married? Discussion, discussing both discussing and looking at values is really important. So Mm -hmm. what do you value in life? Okay. And it's not a matter of judgment. It's not that one is good and one is bad, but look at like, how do your values align? So for example, and you, and a couple could start talking about this really from the get go. Um, So how do you, you know, in terms of like, what do you value in life? Do you value family? Do you value is our professional goals really important to you? What part does money play in terms of your lifestyle? And by the way, just a little aside, the number one cause of divorce that people like self-report are financial issues. Mm -hmm. So what, what are your spending styles? Um, do you, do you or your potential partner have credit card debt and is that okay with you? Or are you somebody who like absolutely would never carry any debt? So looking at that kind of, those kind of values and compatibility is, is, is absolutely critical. But should we be waiting and until we're planning to get married to talk about any debts, you know, that we may oh, have? No. <laughs> because I don't no, want to wait. I don't want to ring on my finger and then I say I do, and then oh, by the way, honey, I owe two hundred thousand dollars or whatever. Or I no, a- no, no, absolutely, absolutely not. You want it because it reflects spending style. So you know, and there's by the way, there's all sorts of reasons for debt. Somebody could have a lot of student debt, but they're you know they're 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 moving, and that's that's going to go away at some point. And somebody could have like you said, $100,000 credit card debt. Remember, I'm in Beverly Hills, so I see this, Laura, uh, because they're buying some exotic cars that honestly they can't afford. So so looking at, so or clothes or Rodeo shopping sprees. So really, I mean, I'm giving some extremes there, but looking at like what are each other's spending styles and are we compatible? If you have somebody who is very frugal and really watches money with somebody who is just spending without any kind of real, let's just say cognizance or responsibility, that is not, no matter how great the sex is, no matter how many butterflies you get when you're with him or her, it's it's headed towards heartbreak. Yeah. Now, do you think that you should disclose all of your financial accounts? Because 
I mean, I think keeping a secret bank account is a sure way to cause problems in your marriage once the account is discovered. What do you think about that? It's a, I, I'm not going to give a blanket answer to that because I've seen situations where it is traumatic, honestly, for the person who discovers the account. And, and sometimes, by the way, that's in a like divorce disclosure proceedings. But I've also seen situations where somebody is keeping their own account and it's empowering to them and it really is not relevant to the couple. So I, I would answer it's, it's really situational and looking at the circumstances. Yeah. Okay. Now also things that we need to be discussing before we get married are children, right? And parenting styles, where you guys want, uh, will be living. If one of you wants to live in the country, one of you, one of you wants to live in the city, that's a problem, but you guys should have those discussions way before the engagement. Um, how do you like to spend your personal time? I mean, these are things you've got to figure out prior to and household tasks. <laughs> Are you doing all the cleaning or is he helping you with the cleaning? <laughs> right. And some of those, honestly, some of those, as you go along, um, you'll, you'll figure out. I'm smiling because there was a couple, I, well, I'm still working with them, but the husband, it's a young, fairly young couple. They're both in their early thirties and the husband, like the husband was not, or, or didn't think he wanted kids because he thought that their parenting styles would be so different, right? Flash forward, they've had a kid and they blend beautifully. And they do have different, especially when they talked about it, they do have different parenting styles. Um, he's way much more of a disciplinarian and the mom is, is more of an anything goes kind of girl, but they've managed to work it. So that has blended really well. But say that compared to, are we living in Hawaii, Alaska, New York, or Canada? Again, like, yes, you know, or anything in between can be a deal breaker because, you know, the assumptions, well, I just assumed he would move with me. And I just assume like when I, you know, when I moved for graduate school, she would come along, right? We can't, we can't assume that about a partner. We, we, those discussions are really paramount. Dr. Nancy, this is a big one that probably looks a little different for everybody. Okay. How soon is too soon to get married? You know, Annie Parker, she's actually a guest on my show as well. She hosts with me on the clubhouse stages. We have a, a seminar coming out together. I love her. She's great. But she is, believes that, you know, you, you can meet someone within like a couple of months and, and be married in three, right? I'm not from that school. Like I, I think that that's too soon. I, I feel like you have to get to know someone. You have to experience the highs and lows with this person. You have to get to know their family. Like you really have to, you know, spend some time with this person. How do you feel about this? It's, it is a loaded question, Laura. <laughs> Right. And you, thank you for the warning. Because again, it's really you, you look at situations, I could say I like my knee jerk reaction would be as a therapist to agree with you, right? Because the longer we spend getting to know somebody, the more that's going to come out about 
compatibility, their personality, things that traits, character traits, both good and bad, right? Time will bring those out. But when you look at just anecdotally experience, I've seen, I have witnessed couples who have waited years, they've lived together for years and they've waited years to get married. They eventually do get married. And some of these unknowns, especially negatives still come out. And this is after a period of years. On the other hand, I've seen couples who have gotten engaged and married in like three, four months, boom, really fast. And 25 years later, they're the couple that's, I adore my spouse, you know, the ones that everybody envies at the anniversary party and they're like, oh my God. So it's, again, it's very situational. I mean, look, the, the more time that if it just in a quote unquote typical dating relationship, not that anything is typical, clearly the more time you spend getting to know your partner, the better and the better meaning you'll just, just like these things we're talking about, trustworthiness, integrity, character, the more of a person's character will be revealed with time. But that with said, time. right? But that, that said, sometimes two people get just extremely lucky. They're too, again, lucky. quote it. Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> right? They're, they're just two really good people. They find each other, they connect, and they do have that happily ever after as much as possible. And I want that for everybody, but it's not ideal so in I. most cases. It really isn't ideal in most cases. I, I just look back at my relationships and I think, oh, thank goodness, like I didn't take the plunge there. You know, you as time goes on, you find out more things. And and you, you may not be as compatible as you thought you were. I, I mean, I'm just a, that school of thought, you know, like I like to take my time. Like, what's the rush? Why do I have to get married to you in three months? I don't think so. But that's just me. Okay. But you guys do as you wish. Um, it's not. No, it's not just you, Lauren. Look at the title of my book again. Don't sleep with him yet. Yeah. Like, is it like, I'm, hello, I'm like, with you. Right. I'm with you. Like, you know, when, especially when women sleep with a partner, even if we tell ourselves we're not going to become attached, our brain is wired to become attached. Mm -hmm. And that attachment will also cause us to overlook a lot of stuff. So lots and lots of stuff. Also, I'll quickly say this, looking at timing of when we become, you know, when we get married, Timing can also make a difference in what kind of partner somebody is. So, for example, a man may be so ready timing wise to, you know, to give to his mate, to his partner at one time in his life and not at another. Um, in fact, a really interesting research, research finding shows that women tend to marry the quote unquote right guy, right person, no matter when the timing is, men's decision on whether or not to become engaged and married to their partner is very much dependent on what the timing is. 
we change so much, Dr. Nancy, emotionally and mentally during teens, our teens and 20s. And research actually sh uh, shows that it can take 25 years to reach maturity. And I find that more people are waiting longer to get married these days. Do you think that people should wait until they're in their 30s to get married or, or later in life? What do you think about this? Okay, the brain isn't fully formed because it's not fully myelated and actually age 26. Um, and that's the same for men and women, although I joke around and say for men, I really believe their brains aren't mature until much later. But I like to say if we're looking at kind of like a cutoff where so the brain encompasses decision making, judgment, planning, strategy. So if you're basing it on the sheer neuroscience, I like to say about age 26, people will make much more solid, well thought out decisions than earlier than mid 20s. That said, again, you find people who got together, connected like they ran into their spouse, quote unquote, the first day of college, and they're, and they're still together 50, 60 years later. So they met at 18. No, were they married at 18? They weren't, but they, but they were exclusive from then on. So again, it's very difficult to say one size fits all. But looking at the neuroscience, if you want to cut off, it would be about mid-20s before like, okay, my decisions are going to be pretty sound because my brain is literally all there. Mm -hmm. You know, there's also the kind of like, you know, consideration that slippery slope. So if, for example, I do counsel a lot of women who actually were uh, very dead set on waiting until like early 30s, they, they wanted their education, their career to get off the ground. But some of the issue that they're having currently is that um, the, their dating pool has shrunk. We need to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's time to chat about fear of commitment. Thank you so much, Dr. Nancy, loving this conversation. Stay with us, guys. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, with my guest, Dr. Nancy Lee. And uh, we are going into our discussion now, um, and we're going to talk about the fear of commitment and what to do about it. So there are so many people, Dr. Nancy, that have no interest in marriage or commitment whatsoever. Why do you think this is? First of all, you know what we call those people? What do we call Men. them? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Sorry guys. No, I'm joking. That was a total joke. Okay. <laughs> so I so I sort of I'm going to break it down. So you have commitment folks and this is an area by the way that I, it's, it's another topic that I discuss at length in my book. But what is a commitment phobe? When you look at a phobia in psychology, a phobia is an irrational fear. So you have one category of people, this is, this is men and women, who are actually phobic, like they are irrationally fearful of committing to somebody else. That 
doesn't mean now on how is that expressed? I don't want a commitment. I don't want a relationship. Okay. Do they know that it's irrational? Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. But anyway, that's your first category. You also have people that have just been burned over. And again, I say people, men and women who have been burned over and over and over and over. You get how annoying that over and over and over is. And they're like, they've decided, they're avoiding that, that I didn't say rejection, but they're avoiding that relationship collision, so to speak. It's not necessarily a rejection. It could just be like the trauma that happened during their relationships. They don't want to go there again. So you, you have that. You also have people that have really just, you know, grown, not, look, I want to preface this by saying that not everybody that grew up in a tumultuous, tumultuous household or a household where there was physical or emotional abuse going on or heavy duty addiction, not everybody that grows up in a household like that is going to be afraid of commitment, but often they are. So these are just a couple categories. Do any of these resonate based on your own experience, Laura? Uh, definitely. And you know what? I, I mean, I may have had a bit of a tumultuous, uh, you know, upbringing, not necessarily like with my, towards myself, but, you know, my parents had some struggles and that may have affected, you know, um, the way that I viewed relationships. I mean, I don't anymore, but growing up, I, I definitely didn't want to commit. And probably that makes sense. Maybe it was because of that reason. I mean, I, again, like, I don't feel that now, like I definitely want to be in a committed relationship, but um, yeah, I think so. Everything that you, you stated definitely makes sense. Yeah. It, I fear is also, really powerful. So being afraid. So there are people that are really fearful, but then they turn that fear around and they convince themselves, I don't want something when the actuality is the psychological reality is not that they don't necessarily want it, but they're afraid of it. Okay. We call, uh, yeah, we call that emotionally unavailable. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I dated this guy that was extremely emotional, uh, emotionally unavailable, and he wanted a relationship so bad. And he would say that to me. He'd say, Laura, I really want a relationship so bad, but I just can't. I said, well, what can't you do? He's just, I can't get myself to be in one. I'm just, I fear relationships. And I said, well, go get, he goes, I go, go get some help. And he says, well, I guess I just haven't hit rock bottom yet. And that's why I haven't. And I said, well, you've wanted a relationship for 10 years. You've been single for 10 years. His wife left him. So Mm -hmm. he was really hurt by it and he never got over it. And so everybody that comes into his life, he basically pushes away because he doesn't want to get hurt. And it's such a shame, Dr. Nancy. Why should people who are fearing commitment, you know, come see someone like yourself? Like, what can you do for them? Knowledge is so empowering. So just knowing that in psychology, the the worst motivator, it's actually not a motivator, but it's something that dictates behavior. 
the worst way to dictate your behavior is through fear. So just knowing that fact, like fear is a really negative driver in terms of success and happiness and contentment in life, knowing that alone, whether no matter what you're afraid of, and, and again, fearing something that you actually want, knowing that fact can motivate somebody to be like, okay, I'm going to get help with this. I'm going to try to get help to basically overcome fear, overcome mm -hmm. my fear. Yeah, I love that. And I, and I, I wish that more people, you know, took that step um, because help is there for you. So now let's chat about fear of commitment that comes up when you're getting close to your wedding. <laughs> What if you realize that you are not ready? Uh, how can you tell if it's just cold feet or if you're just not ready for this type of commitment yet? Buyer's remorse. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's, it's such a great question. And it's also such a difficult one. You know, our intuition is really powerful in psychology. So look, there's, there are nerves and there's jitters, but, and I'm anxious and I'm nervous. My wedding is approaching. So, but anxiety alone would not be the indicator of, I want to call this off. But if somebody is having an intuitive moment over and over and over, like, wait a minute, my gut is telling mm -hmm. me something's really wrong, but they don't just have that feeling once but it's repeated, it would probably be a good idea to like check that, that out with a professional because honestly, our intuition is there to protect us. Even the, even the Latin, the word, right, comes from to protect. So listening to that, not just once, but if, if that message, that internal message keeps happening over and over and over, that's telling you something. You know, we need to take a quick break. It just, this reminds me of a, of a story that I have and I'll, I'll tell it when we come back after the break. And uh, we're also gonna talk about how you can set yourself up for a successful marriage. We'll be right back. Relationship show with Laura Galata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640. I'm your host, Laura Galata, with my guest, Dr. Nancy Lee, psychologist, Dr. Nancy Lee. Getting back to our chat, uh, we're going to be talking about successful marriages and how you can have plenty of happy years ahead. But before the break, uh, we were talking about how you can determine whether it's just cold feet that you're getting or if you're just afraid of like, you know, the commitment, you're not ready for that commitment yet, right? So it, it reminded me of the story. So I had this friend who um, was about to get married and she had come, she came over to my house twice crying at my doorstep. Like once it was like a month prior and then two weeks prior to the wedding. And I said, listen, don't do it. Don't do it. Like your gut's telling you, she said, well, all the invitations are sent out, like everybody's showing up to this wedding, like I have to go through with it. And she really didn't, but she felt like she had to. Well, that marriage lasted three months. 
So again, right, Dr. Nancy, you have to trust your gut and you have to trust your friends. If you have your friends telling you this person is not ideal for you, like if you have more than two people, for example, telling you this, you really need to listen to them. You really do. Because we get, we have blind spots on sometimes when we're in love. We do. We have our blinders on and we can't see things that other people can see clearly for us. So it's a, and that's a perfect example of what I was talking about. Thank you for sharing that story, Laura, because this is somebody whose intuition was telling herself over and over again, like this, it's, it's not about necessarily, I don't want to commit, but I don't want to commit to this person. My guess is there was something about him that she was seeing or she was sensing that was really off-putting. Sharing it with you, I know you, you're a really empathetic, kind, a very intelligent person. So you were able to reflect her own feelings and reflect that back. The second part of what you said gets a little bit dicey because if hypothetically, say there's another friend and she's not having any gut feelings, but then not necessarily you, okay? But say another friend of her, let's make it a different friend. Maybe let's make her friend a guy is telling her, hey, I don't think you should marry this guy because da 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 da. But she's not feeling any of that gut intuition. She's on cloud nine. She's really happy. Then I don't necessarily know enough about that friend. And I made him a guy for a reason, right? We could have a whole side story. Does he have an agenda? Is he in love with her? Da 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 da. But so there's, I agree with you about your own intuition and checking that out with a friend like you, Laura, who is like, has your best interest at heart, who is empathetic, who is bright. But sometimes our friends can also lead us, you know, they don't necessarily, are not necessarily in our head and in our heart. So the friendship weighing in gets a little bit more complicated. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that. Now, I, we don't even have a lot of, like, every time I host a show with you, it goes by so quickly. It does. <laughs> so what makes, okay, you get married, what makes a marriage successful? Like, what can you do to set yourself up for a happy marriage together? What are some great tips? I love the question. So work on your own empathy meaning that what is empathy psychologically? It's the ability to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. So if you're having a discussion, if there is a disagreement, two people who are able to see things from each other's point of view and not only able to do it, but they do it, like they make the effort, your conflict resolution is going to be better. Your communication is going to be better. So, and by the way, research also shows that the the best lovers, the, the one psychological attribute of the best lovers is empathy. I talk about that in, in the 10th step of my book, which is all about having great sex. So cultivate your own empathy. That's number one. Number two, respect, like not only self-respect, but respect for your partner. So Mm -hmm. self-respect is not being that people pleaser because people pleasers eventually 
just start res become resenters, right? If somebody is just all about pleasing their partner, but in a way where there's this underlying resentment, that's not respecting yourself. There's a difference between that and I'm pleasing my partner and it feels great versus I am always acquiescing to them and I resent the CRAP out of this. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. self thank you. So, so <laughs> self self-respect and, and respecting your partner. That's number two. Um, third big one is, and, and Laura, you had mentioned this earlier, but trustworthiness and integrity. Um, be honest in a relationship, have integrity, um, communicate, be yes. open. So those would be my three top heavy hitters for a great relationship. And I'm going to add one. I'm going to add intimacy into that because, you know, I think intimacy is so important. And you may think of this, you know, the sexual aspect of a relationship when you hear the word intimacy, but it, it encompasses so much more than that, right? It's touch. It's just more than just having sex. Intimacy is much more than that. It's greater. Uh, but thank you so much, Dr. Nancy. That ends our show for today. Where can people get a hold of the amazing Dr. Nancy all the way from Beverly Hills? Okay, thank you. So my website is sorry www.drnancylee.com. It's the abbreviation for drnancylee.com. Um, my book, again, I'll mention the title, Don't Sleep With Him Yet, A Badass Guide to Dating in 10 Empowering Steps is on Amazon. I'm at Instagram and at, on Clubhouse at, at D, same abbreviation for doctor at Dr. Nancy Lee, D-R-N-M-N -N -N Nancy Lee. Thank you, Laura. And for myself, check me out on Instagram and TikTok, official Laura Bellotta. And check out my website, singleinthecity.ca, especially if you're looking to get connected and if you're looking for love, come see me. Ciao for now, guys. Thanks for tuning in.